poor Ben. Ben, thank you for taking the time. And I know it's we're getting started super late. We had multiple technical issues, but no problem. Thank you. Yeah. Excited about it. Hope. Yes. <sighs> yeah, Sean is the most excited of us all. <laughs> <laughs> I was stretching out, ready to the record, to the record, to record, and um, that just came out. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, Sean is up at 5 a.m. in order to record this. 4.30 by the time I've made a cup of yeah. tea and set up. Yeah. I'm Phil DeLuca. I am Sean Watson. And I'm Stephen Putt. <laughs> and we are Commander in. Thanks for listening, everybody. We put a spotlight on community issues, but never, ever talk about three banned topics. <laughs> religion, politics, and Hearthstone. It's because the listeners can't hear the pre-show otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, listeners, if you want to support the show, we would greatly appreciate it, and we need your support. If you would give us five-star ratings wherever it is you get your podcast, if you would just tell your friends about the show and get them to listen to it, you could also visit patreon.com slash commander and MTG if you really want to support us, and you can donate a buck a show, and please come tell us why if you're not willing to do that. We'll maybe, with a high enough donation, change everything. And... Don't forget to visit us on YouTube. You can comment, rate, and subscribe there and play us to the end because, weirdly enough, that actually matters. We have a wonderful show lined up for everyone this week, especially the host. The host is super excited because we are going to talk about the Rivals of Ixalan Yay. set. That's right. The set, <laughs> the set from which our last preview card, Atali, Primal Storm, comes from. And to do that, we brought on an expert. We last had lead set designer Ben Hayes on the show about a year ago on episode 79 to talk about Ether Revolt. That was the last uh, set you led, but as a development lead that time. And we first met on episode 72, which was about Commander 2016, another set that you were the lead developer on. Say hi, Ben. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. It's good to be back. And uh, congratulations congratulations yeah. on your first lead design. Thanks. Yeah, it was a different kind of challenge. Um, I wrote about it a, a little bit in the article that I uh, that got posted on the Wizards website about how we were transitioning the process in R&D to this vision design set design model. And Rivals kind of got caught in the middle of that transition, and we had to figure out um, what the best way was to make it while still moving our processes forward in the way we wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I see your name attached to a project, Ben, I, I just think <laughs> there's going to be some nuts stuff for Commander in here. So 
Oh, strap yourself in, <laughs> ladies and gents. It's going to get fun. Yeah, there have been some really neat innovations in this set that I'm looking forward to talking to you about. <laughs> when I was writing the promo, I was going to say, from the man who brought you Paradox Engine and Bubbling Fish. <laughs> I was going to say season. Bubbling Fish. Yeah. Bubbling season. And uh, bubbling last time season, you guys right? were talking Leopold. Leo, yeah, that was one. I think I was the most dangerous <laughs> something or other on the last show. Oh. Oh. Congratulations on uh, getting the first good hard ban in our format for quite a long time. <laughs> God, man. Yeah. I think we should get you a letter from the rules committee. We can talk to Sheldon Geddes run up so that you can frame yeah. on your office wall. I like, I like this reputation, oh. actually. <laughs> <laughs> and you also designed Profit Accruvix, oh, didn't you? That is a terrible rumor <laughs> that's going around. I help design Crewfix, <laughs> not profit of Crewfix. <laughs> no, uh, we I remember. really need we to. Remember. We need to stop <laughs> repeating this. <laughs> I'm working very hard uh, to kill this. Anyway, movie. listeners, that's that's Ben, profit oh, yeah. of Crewfix Hayes. There. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good gravy. Um, yeah. I love Prophet what a wonderful Prophet. set, Ben. Thanks. This is really good. This is more like rivals, rivals of Commander. Yeah, seriously. Every card says each opponent instead of target opponent. That is amazing. Mm. That has to have been a deliberate design yeah, choice. Um, we had a lot of people. Um, <laughs> well, first off, we had just a lot of people contributing to the set. Uh, we went through a lot of rotations on the team with um, different size teams and different people uh, right, working on it and contributing throughout the process. And we happened to have a lot of people in that rotation who really cared a lot about uh, Commander and play the format a lot and are knowledgeable about it and were uh, championing specific card decisions and philosophical things. And for myself, having led a couple of Commander sets and... Uh, you know, conspiracy where we were, that was definitely one of the formats we were thinking a lot about. Um, right. I, I was able to bring some reps working for working on products for that audience um, and incorporate it in rivals. I think I did some of that in, in uh, ether revolt, but um, the second time through uh, I felt like I was able to, you know, flex a little bit and innovate on some of the process. And uh, with that came the, came incorporating some stuff to specifically focus on Commander. Cool. That's exciting. And we have a bunch of, well, you, you've put together a bunch of development stories, haven't you? Um, yeah, I uh, gave you guys some cards that I have, uh, have stories about. And uh, also I made a big list of, playtest names so we can play that game if uh if you guys feel like doing that oh that's awesome <laughs> oh yeah the pirates said move that. on so we can get to the game <laughs> yeah all right let's let's uh thanks 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 ben well we love you and let's get to the main part of uh the show the first thing we want to do though before we do that is call out 
three patrons, and we're going to do this at the beginning of the show. We had a suggestion that we should do it at the beginning, and you know what? Maybe we'll do it now and at the end. So we want to thank three special patrons, <laughs> Mark Andre Kayer. Oh, you're not letting me have a go at that perhaps, one. <laughs> oh, you want, you want to go? <laughs> it's Mark Andre Kayer. I don't know where that sounds coming from. I'm just uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Are <laughs> people giving us money, friends? Please. <laughs> and so, Mark Andre Kayer, perhaps Kayer, uh, Kayer, Jochen S, and Justin, who has his own Patreon account at uh, KTBL underscore Justin. I don't know what that is, and uh, but but very. I thought we would plug him since he's giving us. Uh, money each month since he's donating to us so thank you very much folks we really appreciate there's going to be a lot of edits this month (laughs) (laughs) so uh ben very briefly because we are itching to talk about ixalan um are you excited to brew any new commander decks yeah um i think the probably the commander that i'm most interested in from rivals is zakama the three-color elder dinosaur. Um, the color... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the color combos that I'm most comfortable with. I think the first the first deck that I... The best color. Yeah, the first deck that I made in the four commander was a Jund-colored deck with uh, Auden Oakenshield mm-hmm. as the commander to bring back like mm-hmm. creatures oh, yeah. with... ETB abilities and stuff like that, and just built around like value creatures and land stuff. Um, so, looking forward to like a beefier, higher mana commander. Um, still working with some of that land stuff, like having the Ravnica bounce lands or other lands that can tap for multiple mana, um, and you figuring out what I can do there, and probably putting a lot of the red, a lot of the similar red and green cards into that deck. Yeah, um, the command zone has a episode dedicated to Zakama because, of course, it was their preview card, and the deck was built by Craig Blanchett, so you know it's going to be really mean. And of course, they played it on game nights, which hasn't been released as of our recording. I love Zakama has the uh, the way the trigger is worded as it enters the battlefield, as opposed to if you cast it from your hand, which is definitely a hey, I'm talking about the command zone, guys. Uh, no, it's, it's if you cast trigger. it from your hand, right? Right, but you can cast it from the command zone, right? Yes, it's just if you cast it. It's location from where you cast it is irrelevant. Right, but a lot of the times yeah. it would be like, if, like for instance, uh, if you don't cast this from your hand, you lose a game, right? Like, Fate. Yeah, clear, clearly a nod toward command. Yeah. Now we'll talk about... We'll talk about it. We'll talk about Zakama. In a moment. Shivam. In a moment. <laughs> It's almost like we have planned what we want to say in some sort of a show plan. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you're the only one who wants to build uh, Zakama. It's a very exciting card. It's basically a free card, and if you do it right, it's an infinite mm-hmm. mana yeah, it can cast be that. commander. Mm. <laughs> listen, listen to him. You said mm-hmm. it, not me. Yes. <laughs> It's funny because what 
one of my cards and my picks from this set has an infinity theme to it as well. So, all right. So we'll move now to talking about the set details, right? Um, so Rivals releases on January nineteenth. That should be only in a couple of days from when our listeners hear this, uh, and January nineteenth, two thousand eighteen, for the time travelers out there who are using us as a reference point. There are 196 (laughs) cards in the set, so it's a quote-unquote small set. The last. It's the second in the last formal two-set block. Mm. Mm. Wow, it's the... Yeah, you you were really... uh, You were really passing the baton there, as it were, weren't you? This was a a weighty set. Yeah, yeah, we just decided that probably couldn't top this, so... (laughs) 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 No, um... (laughs) No, it was, and, uh, uh, yeah, you know, as I mentioned, uh, various process changes going on and re-examining. I mean, I think Magic R&D is always re-examining how we're doing things, how we're making this game. Um, and this was one of those times where we looked at the set release cadence, a number of sets in a block. You know, recently we went, semi-recently, we went from the three set blocks to two set blocks and had ideas about that and then from there uh you know challenged that again and talked about like okay well what if we take this another step further um but ixalan and rivals were um you know well underway at that point and uh with with uh just what we had already done for the sets and what we had done for the block and building the world and how we had crafted the story, it still very much made sense to have two sets in this block. Yeah. And then next will be a one set block and then a zero set <laughs> block and then just piles of card randomly <laughs> appearing. Was, was it, um, it, we don't normally ask who someone's about. Is to that Ben? Arrested. That's me. Oh, sorry. If you just hear like, Coughing with guns and then ah, <laughs> that's for Leovold. <laughs> yeah, in a second. It's it's a it's a rough town. <laughs> Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. This one's for Provider Crewfish, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't deep. Uh so we don't normally ask like what the emotional state of the design team is when they turn a card file over, but was this one special because it was the last multi-set block? Huh. That's a good question. Um, I, I I guess maybe it's a boring answer, but not, not especially right. Like we're, uh, because the, because you're a bunch (laughs) of hard, I think, so yes, but uh, <laughs> so. I think it's more right. It's more that we spend so much time working on these sets that like it it, it yeah. wasn't really this final moment. It's actually like it's funny working on a magic set because it's uh, often it it's hard to feel like there is that moment of turning it over or. Um, identify that because it's right it goes from all the different stages of design play testing editing but even while it's in other uh you know being handled primarily by other parts of the department everyone's still connected and involved and 
Um, yeah, it, it is actually, I mean, this is going off on a little bit of a tangent, but to answer your question in a different way, like it's actually somewhat hard to figure out where those moments are, like when you are actually pencils down and are completing something and moving on to the next thing. Sure. But don't you have a discrete handoff to... We do. Um, there's a lot of handoffs, right? There's uh, there's a lot of different parts of the process that editing will start at different times, um, and there's different parts of what Caps does to get the set ready at different times, and each of those, I'll say each of those makes it harder to change the set, oh, but yeah. we're all still trying to, you know make absolutely the best set we can every time so if there's a change that comes up that we could make right where we're often not like oh it's too late we often do ask that question okay well what are the costs and what are the risks associated with making this change at this point and so because that's the environment yeah. right it sort of leads to like well I'm not primarily responsible for it anymore, but it's still on my mind and there's still the possibility that more work will be done. Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, I, but maybe only to the four of us. <laughs> um, right, and so you had a, a design team. Now, did everybody... Uh, now, obviously, you said you had some turnover, but did all of these people stay on the design team the entire time? Um, no, so... Uh, let's see, uh, Alexis Jansen, who was the winner of the first great designer search, um, yeah, rotated off the team as we got later into the process and we were working more on like refining, uh, more game balancey stuff and the draft environment and things like that. Um, that's when we picked up, um, people like Melissa DeTora and, uh, Glenn Jones, who are both, um, you know, competitive-minded, like um, more game balance-focused designers, um, and yeah, there was quite a bit of rotation throughout the process. Um, with with a process transition like you went through, it's it's uh, it's kind of to be expected. And I'm sure it was because people were playing to their strengths and moving on to different, uh, projects at wizards and so on. Um, it's, you know, it's frankly amazing that a product this good came out of a transition. Like yeah. That. Um, I, there was a lot of support, um, and it definitely wouldn't have happened without everyone putting the resources towards it and the time and, effort like i had a lot of access to really experienced uh team members i uh and there was definitely an awareness of okay this is somewhat tumultuous time and it's a unique request um so let's let's kind of put a buffer here and shore this up and make sure that we still get through with something that's uh, that we're really proud of. Yeah. Related to that, uh, with this kind of, you know, being in a standard where we don't really have core sets or reprints or anything like that, can you talk a little bit about why you guys chose to reprint stuff like Legion Conquistador or some of the other ones? 
Because I think this is the first set I've ever seen where in a back-to-back set in the same block, we've seen the same cards more than once. It's a great question. Yeah, um, I'd be happy to talk about that. Um, So one of the things that I uh, cared a lot about with Rivals of Ixalan was um, just overall set complexity. Um, Mm. I had come off of leading Ether Revolt with a lot of ideas about uh, how that set ended up uh, the way that it did and what I was happy with and what I was less happy with. One of the areas specifically that I identified reflecting on Ether Revolt was how many times I felt like I had to take a simple card and make a slightly weird version of it just for the sake of being different. And I really just Mm. asked myself if I had printed exactly the same common that had been in Kaladesh, would the draft environment have been better? Uh, And like, would anyone have, what's the downside, right? Just kind of asking that question of like, why are we doing this? Is it just for, are we doing it for ourselves? Because we think there's something inherently like important or sacred about about this practice and so i right i just said like hey what if i just printed the same common that was in ixalan because uh, i think it is the most fun card for the role that this slot in the set uh needs i i, I don't i don't want to yeah. put extra text on it yeah, because I was looking for instance, a Raptor Companion, the generic 3-1 for 2. And I looked at that when people were like, why are all these cards reprinted? And I realized that sometimes you just need a 3-1 for 2. And why reinvent the wheel? It's right there. And it fits a tribe, et cetera, et cetera. It probably solved a whole bunch of your problems without having to go and create a different 3-1 for 2. And just you know save you some mind space because you've already got the card built. With Legion Conquistador, it's cool because it's all about fetching more Legion Conquistadors. So now you still get to do that. But I just like, oh, this must just be a new way they're working on set conservation. (laughs) I just thought it was interesting that this is like the first and last time it's going to be relevant because the fact that this is the last two set block, theoretically. Not to answer for him, but I guess we could see um, uh, cards reprinted in sets that bridge or in sets where... You know, Nickel Bolas's Planar Bridge comes into play. Sure. Yeah, because their their future sets might take place on multiple planes per set. Mm. It's kind of up to where the story is going to right. go. So it's conceivable. You could see a Dominaria versus New Phyrexia dual plane set. It <laughs> kind of happened before. Yeah. No. I mean, I think I think there's a lot of potential in that, and I thought it was something worth highlighting. Speaking of highlighting, do we want to talk about some of our highlighted cards? Yes, let's get into it. <laughs> so, uh, Ben, we we asked you to pick. It was difficult because they're all your babies, right? Except for those filthy reprint cards we were just talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but do you want to pick three cards and talk about those? Yeah. Um, so the first one I think I'll talk more about is one we already talked a little bit about, um, which is a comma. Um, I have what I what I think is an interesting story about the card. Um, when we identified that we wanted to do these elder dinosaurs, 
um, that really had, uh, we wanted to make sure there was something special about them and that they really felt like they um, were, that there was a reason mechanically when you read the card and when you take everything in why Elder's there and it's not just a word we're throwing on. Um, so we had uh, <laughs> we had a mini team um, of people uh, from R&D led by one of the members of the Rivals team. I believe Yanni led this team uh, and it was the Elder Dinosaur exploratory design team essentially and they came up with a lot of different ways uh, that we could create through lines for these elder dinosaurs and connect them to each other mechanically and one of the right one of the ideas was um, that they would refund your mana in some way and probably pair that with activated abilities um, so that you felt like they were they were taking these actions uh, themselves, like the creature could uh, do things and sort of be uh, have agency itself. Um, that didn't end up as something that we proliferated out to all six of the elder dinosaurs. Um, you know, with each of these ideas that came from that team, we sort of looked into like, okay, how wide can we? spread this mechanical idea and still feel like we're making a bunch of satisfying cards. And with that one, we were like, okay, mm. actually we're going to take this idea that was proposed as a through line mechanic and just go all in on one. Uh, and then, you know, from there it was like, okay, well, what's even more interesting is multiple different activated abilities. Uh, and then the three headed dinosaur, from creative and it all just sort of came together yeah. uh, really nicely from lots of different places, right? Creative wanting this um, specific creature design and the exploratory design team finding this mechanical space and then, you know, connecting all the dots. Hmm. Also the elder dinosaurs. So it's still playing EDA. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And Zakama of, of all of them feels like the most legend style legends that we've had in, I don't know, 20 years. Like this definitely feels like a card that could have been printed in legends with the way it's got like, it's got a text and it's got some keywords and then activated abilities. And as a person who grew up playing in that era, this is like the most nostalgic I've felt about a card in some time. It's just, it's super cool. I love everything awesome. about this. Yeah. It seems just that really, uh, really is really nice to hear. That was um, there is an homage there, right? Yeah, and I'm glad that you guys gave it reach because I really hate when you make gigantic creatures that don't have reach. Because he's a <laughs> nine nine giant three headed dinosaur, I should hope he can hit something in the sky. But yeah, that's, and all that's the heads me. he can attack and block. <laughs> um, so there's yeah. I've heard people arguing about which head represents white and then green and then red. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what happened when they attack each other as if they were in a mutiny? Ooh. Oh. Mm. 
That is. That was uh, a real stretch. That was a reach. Uh, but I got to be vigilant about I'm it. I'm going to trample all over this conversation. <laughs> so, ben, tell us about your next pick. Uh, right. So, yeah, my next card uh, is so the sound of all those podcasts turning right off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people love this stuff. <laughs> I do. Um, yeah, me too. My next card is Mutiny, uh, just a red common from the set. Um, and the uh, story that I have about Mutiny is uh, from, so personally, um, going back to what I said about looking for, um, I guess going back to what I said about going through the process a second time of leading a full booster set and getting to do some of the things that maybe the first time around I didn't do as much of because I was making sure that I was getting it all done, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. And so I felt like I needed to make sure that all the things I knew about and, and that I was sort of checking all the boxes and, and delivering something that worked. And this time I was like, okay, well, I know how to deliver something that works. Let me try to push it a little bit and expand out to bringing some of my own personality and creativity to it. And one of the things I looked for was um, effects in magic that haven't really been done much, but not necessarily for any right, yeah. reason other than they, uh, not, not for any good um, strong reason, right? Like uh, uh, hidden gems, I guess, or, uh, and, Mutiny is just an example of that. I was thinking about right different types of spell effects and came up with this idea of um, your opponent's creatures fighting each other and it felt uh, good creatively in the world of a lot of conflict between these different uh, tribes and potentially within tribes. And then... Uh, then this card came out of it, and then so that's half the story. The other half of the story is uh, that we we went in many circles about how much mana this card should cost, uh, and it was from for my time in R and D one of the most disputed um, cards from a limited power level perspective. Um, just wildly, yeah, wildly good different answers account. on how powerful people thought this effect was um, that sparked many hours of debate and heated disagreement. And it was just fun yeah. to see like, oh, all these people who've been working on magic for years and years and playing magic for decades. And there's this common that's getting them all, you know, riled up and like, not yelling at each other because, of course, we don't do that. But, <laughs> well, that's um, a very red emotion, you know? right? Did you face a mutiny? I almost caused one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm excited by this card because it's so it's such a unique effect and a new way to do like direct damage that red has done so many different times. Um, it did feel a little green in that you're having like you know one guy pounce on another guy, but it's really cool. I mean, I think it's a real flavor win too. Yeah. Um, thanks. I, I can definitely see how, uh, right. I can definitely see the green part that you, you mentioned. The, the other card that comes to mind right away is dissension in the ranks. And that's an instant for four more mana. And it only 
affects blocking creatures. Mm-hmm. I love this. this uh, ranks. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun, and that was an uncommon. I guess. Uh, well, I'm I'm happy this is at common. This is definitely going to break any stalemates that we see. I mean, not it's that nice. I would know these things. Um, I would guess this card's being considered for the, the five modern decks that exist. It's a one mana kill spell. <laughs> I suppose it's not instant, so I scratch it. It's not appropriate for that format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there are actually a couple of cards in this set that. Um, like Saffron Olive from MTG Goldfish has been talking about uh, one of the cards we'll talk about later too. So yeah. Um, so what about your third card there, Ben? Most beautiful art in the set. Yeah, and it's funny that you should mention that because my story very much is directly connected to the art. Um, through the process of making a set, uh, you run into a bunch of situations where. Um, the majority feedback about a card is that you know, this design just isn't fun. We uh, want to go a different direction, so the card goes off to a farm somewhere, and there's a <laughs> there's a hole in the set. Uh, there's a hole in the set, and there's an opportunity <laughs> for the team to come up with something new. Um, and with rekindling Phoenix, uh, we ran into that um, somewhat late in the process. Uh, we still had art that we could commission and it wasn't any kind of like triage situation, but it was late-ish in the process and uh, probably half the art for the set had already come in and we had this um, hole and I knew it was a fairly like high rarity spot. Um, We weren't sure if it was rare or mythic, um, (laughs) but we had to come up with something. And so I went to um, Cynthia, uh, the uh, one of the world building leads on the project and asked her, you know, hey, we're we're designing a whole new card from scratch, uh, and most of the art has already come in. So, uh, and a lot of it's already had our descriptions written for it that hasn't come in yet. So this is really the final opportunity. Are there are there images from the style guide from the time when we did the big creative push to come up with all of the different creatures of this world and characters of this world and locations of this world? Uh, are there things that you regret that I that we didn't get around to making cards for now that, you know, this is one of the last opportunities to make something new? And, right, almost immediately it was like, yes, we had this awesome owl phoenix design that we all loved, and somehow we've got, we're, we're at the end here and just uh, it hasn't ended up on a card, and we haven't gotten to show this awesome conceptual thing on a card yet and um phoenixes are really fun to design so it was another really great uh another really great marriage of like something that the creative team wanted to express in the set and being able to put my designers to work thinking about what cool areas we could go with a phoenix in this world um and Right, you you call out the art, and like this card was designed because there was a visual concept that was awesome that we hadn't used yet. And that mm. art is just sick, like Jason Rainville's art. Too. Oh yeah, he's he's got to be one of my favorite new artists in the set, I, in Magic generally. Um, 
But man, a flaming owl. What a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that's really good. That's a total win. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, probably some a flaming rec- owl is a total win. <laughs> Dude, there's probably some really cool like recursion techniques you could, I mean, tricks you could do with this thing. But uh, phoenixes have never really found their place in Commander. There's some cool ones out there, but I feel their effects are always uh, for make more of an impact in one v one magic. I feel like they they really need like a, a legendary phoenix to go with them. Um, or something. Well, they created a legendary Sphinx. In fact, a couple, but a mono blue one specifically. No one plays that, so. Uh, give it a minute. Uh, it's a, it's, yeah, it's it's really striking art. Um, it feels like it was almost, um, almost the quote unquote dragon of the set, even though Atali fits that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Atali's just amazing. Um, oh yes. So was this one? I mean, it seems like it's also fairly costed. It feels kind of like a rare and not not quite a mythic. Did you guys go back and forth about that? Um, we did a couple times, yeah. Um, and with um, right with what ends up at rare and what ends up at mythic, it's always a process of you know you have a bunch of designs that fit the environment, um, the both creatively and mechanically the play environment of standard, uh, what you're balancing for how draft is playing, um, how frequently these cards show up, all that kind of stuff. And like, so often those things swap around um, to get the set feeling right and into the right spot on all, in all the different ways that we want. And this card, I think this card swapped a couple of times between rare and mythic. Yeah. Yeah, I can see in especially in limited, this thing is a bomb because it, all you have to do is all you have to do is keep your little zero one alive, and no one's going to really waste removal on your zero one, which means they have a rekindling phoenix to deal with almost every other turn. I don't know, man. This set's got a lot of like things that do randomly one point of damage, but uh, oh, that's true. That's true because of all the enraged stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It should be cool though. It'll be really neat to see if this works. Yeah. But you know a card is just super messed up that really shouldn't <laughs> exist and completely destroys every deck I play in Commander? Do you, Phil? Uh, I, I suspect I do, Shivan, but why don't you tell us about it? I would tell you about it, but he came up and stole my wallet. <laughs> why, yes, that crafty cut purse came, flashed, and took every token I made. And since I have, uh, let's see, seven token decks... This is literally the most miserable possible card I could ever imagine, especially when he's tied to Deadeye Navigator, bouncing up and down and taking all your tokens. Tell me, Ben, why do yeah, you ben. hate token decks so much? Uh, this was a very divisive <laughs> card. <laughs> this card's amazing. Just, I'll, I'll give the other See? side of the coin. Perfect. We were missing a divisive. hole in our blue what to steal. Uh, Pantheon, and this fills that hole beautifully. Oh no, I think the card is so, amazingly well designed. I just think it also directly targets me. Well, <laughs> well, guys, guys, let's let's look at it this way, right? It was about a year ago when he was finishing up the file. Now, what happened about a year ago? 
Oh, Leovold was banned. <laughs> so oh. he was so angry at the commander community. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to get all those token generators. No. Right, and I... No. Come back to me, soldiers. And I was, uh, you know, meditating at my shrine made out of prophet of crucifixes. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out what to unleash next. Yeah, I was just playing. This up. is not on any way in the same league as those two no. cards. This ben card is designed. eminently fair. It's great design, and it also just makes me so mad. <laughs> it's great. I, I mean, it's one of those magical Christmas land cards where oh. someone goes, I don't know, Stormherd, and you go, sure, great, cheers for that. <laughs> um, and you have to be holding it and all those things. But um, when it does pull off, the look on your opponent's face is, is worth every second. Well, yes, go ahead oh, and yeah. kick that right of replication. I don't mind if I do. <laughs> uh, Does it make you feel better uh, to know that it used to just be a passive ability and not for that turn only? Oh, my God. Oh, you Ben. <laughs> you should have left it as a passive ability. So that would have been like Notion Thief except Token Thief. <sighs> Well, we want to thank everybody for hanging out with us. Ben had to disconnect suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is it is good that it's not a passive ability. Holy smokes! Yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, we we started with it there, but then right, it's right. We we want to make cards that give you counterplay to different strategies, but that was just too over the top, right? It's like, oh, I'm flashing this in getting everything you just tried to create and your deck is just shut off until you remove this card. Um, and that, that's that not wasn't fun. fun. I don't right, see like... any problem with this. I don't understand. <laughs> so what do, what role do you see this playing in like actual limited or standard? Is this for like taking your treasure tokens? Um, there's a lot of token making in the set. Oh um, yeah. Like all the merfolk and vampires. And, yeah. Yeah. And just things. to give dinosaurs. you extra, um, extra bodies of the tribe. Fair. Uh, with um, cards that are, you know, wanting you to go wide with tribes or key off having enough of a specific tribe. Um, sure. So it, com mm -hmm. it comes up pretty often in limited, right? Like if you flash this in and take a 3-3 dinosaur token that they're making, you know, that's great. You are happy to have a 2-2 and basically mind control uh, their 3-3 trample. So. Yeah, no, I see this being a commander staple going forward. It's such a <sighs> great card. <laughs> I know. Everybody in my meta has said, in my paper meta, has said, like, every blue deck they have that's getting one of these. And I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> Let's be reasonable about this. Yeah, let's not forget, there are going to be games where Crafty Cut Purse does nothing. Yes. Sure. The, I won't be playing in those games, but that's possibly true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the next card that I had picked out was uh, one of the coolest cards I've seen and also uh, keys off of a change that I noticed in um, design. Uh, I picked Twilight Prophet, the uh, two and two black mythic two four, that um, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have the Cities of Blessing, you get to uh, use the Bob effect, right? To reveal the top card and put it into your hand. But instead of you losing life equal to its converted mana cost, each opponent each opponent <laughs> loses life, and you gained that life where that X is its uh, converted mana cost. This is absurd. This is, like, incredible. Like, 
I mean, yeah, you do need to have 10 permanents in play, so it's not, like, immediate. But in Commander, how hard is that? Yeah, we um, we are being definitely uh, more intentional about where we're writing each opponent or target opponent um, or target player. Uh, and, you know, it's funny you mention that each opponent loses X life which is so much stronger than target opponent loses X life. Yeah. But um, right. There's another way in which you could compare this card to um, gray merchant where you gain the total life that they lose. Um, In this case, we also look, we looked at that type of effect and we're like, okay, well it's good to scale the life loss because your opponents have, you know, more life and there's just more total life points in the game with, with multiple players. Um, so scaling the life loss part of it is good, but then re-examining the decision we made with Grey Merchant and saying like, okay, should you actually also multiply the life gain and coming to the conclusion like, no, you should just gain the fixed amount of life because scaling both sides of it turns out to right. be less fun. So it's, it's funny, like you're pointing out the way in which it's stronger than it could be which is certainly valid. But when I look at this card, I think about the conversations we had on the other side of it of like, Oh, um, do do you gain life equal to the total or equal to X? Yeah. We've definitely seen cards where it's like each opponent loses two life and you gain two life as opposed to the gray merchant, each opponent loses two life and then you gain like six life or whatever it would have been. Um, ultimately that's probably more fair and more, um, I guess balanced gameplay. But I'm just like, wow, man, in, if you put this guy with some high casting cost nonsense going on, that can add up really quickly. And it avoids the Bob problem of just killing you. <laughs> I think we should probably talk about Ascend, because I've got an, uh, at least oh, right. Ascend. one Ascend. So yeah, it's a popular mechanic. Is Ascend a mechanic feels like it's designed for our format, Yeah, as in Commando. Because getting to 10 permanents in a limited game, if you draw this as your limited mythic bomb, I'm not sure it's going to do much. 10 permanents is hard to get to. In a Especially game. in Ixalan, um, yeah, which is. is so fast. So was Ascend... I guess the question is, was Ascend designed with Commander in mind, or, or how Ascend was the thing? Because 10 was... is a big number of permanents. Commander was one of the things we were considering, right? When we when we started talking about this mechanic, we, of course, are going to talk about the ways in which it plays in the different, you know, marquee formats, right? Like, we had a lot of conversations about how viable it was to get to 10 permanents in Standard. We actually, one of the things we did is we, like, went to Star City Games and built a bunch of the top eight deck lists from the previous week and just swapped in quick and dirty ascend cards that we made at constructed power levels and just played games and saw how many permanents we typically got to mm-hmm. in those games. Um, we did a lot of tracking as we were drafting of, okay, how oh. easy is it to get to these different numbers of permanents? Um, you know, when it comes to commander, right. We, we asked the questions about each format when it came to commander, we were like, Oh yeah, it's great for commander. And <laughs> that was sort of the beginning and end of that conversation and so basically like the mechanics where you can say oh yeah that's great for this for as many formats as you can you know that just makes it a mechanic that we're more excited about printing um and 
yeah, so we asked the question. It wasn't a very hard question to answer. We were like, okay, well, 10 is kind of the top end of what we're thinking anyway <laughs> for being able to achieve it in draft if you put effort in or achieve it in standard if you put effort in. And 10 is already totally manageable for commander. So we don't have to, like, we don't have to put a ton of attention there because we already know it's going to work there. Awesome. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's telling that all three of us picked at least one card with Ascend. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. Ascend just seems like a slam dunk in Commander. Like, I was playing yesterday with my new Apatra deck at the GP, and it was just amazing to me how quickly I was able to, like, flip all of the uh, various lands from Ixalan because I hit the trigger of having a million permanents to play, like, instantaneously. This just mm-hmm. Ascend seems like it's just going to be awesome. Yeah, I will say one more thing about Ascend, which, um, you know, I said we talk about all the marquee formats, um, but also there's a lot of consideration, at least in this set, I spent a lot of time thinking about how these cards are going to play just at a kitchen table if, uh, you know, casual um, friend groups are playing. And one of the things that uh, does tend to happen in those games is they tend to go longer. Um, They tend to be... Um, games where more lands end up in play. Um, combat is inherently risky, so there's a little bit less attacking and blocking in those games. Like all of the m- very many of the things that typically happen at a kitchen table game lead to more permanence being in play. Um, and so I had I, I had this belief also that it would be mm. a mechanic that would work a lot and come up a lot for those types of play groups. Sure. Uh, also got my Ascend card I chose, which was Time Stream Navigator. Uh, so it's a 1-1 one, one pirate for 1 and a blue. With Ascend, uh, pay 2 and 2 blue, tap it, put Time Stream Navigator at the bottom of its owner's library, take an extra turn off this one, activate this ability only if you have the city's blessing. Infinite shenanigans? Get the city's blessing, <laughs> resolve... Time stream navigator resolve leveler I win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there is a bunch of ways that time stream navigator just says uh, I win when I've got it on the table. It goes into that category of uh, laboratory maniac type. If I can deck myself and have four mana free, but I suppose you'd need a haste enabler as well. So this is for your red blue decks. Yeah, go for it. Go nuts. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, why level it? Because it take, removes all your deck from the oh, game. Oh, right. And then you. Oh, okay, I get it. And then you put the time stream navigator out. And you say, I've got infinite turns with this 10 10 creature. Oh, God. Or whatever else you have on the table. <laughs> I mean, that's just the first easiest way of removing your deck from the game that I can think of. Fair. Um, I'd prefer if it didn't have that tap function there, but you know, you've got extra yeah. turns. So, if you could, if only there were a way in blue to draw a card after you've put it to the bottom of your library. Yeah, if only. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's got to be an extra turn card in every set, and I like this one because it, it it appeals to my Johnny Trixie side. How can I abuse the hell out of this? But you know, I enjoy it. <laughs> I didn't realize Spike let him out to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I really like the way that this makes people think about all the 
pieces they can put together to um, to get to having infinite extra turns like you did. Right? Like, imagine if this card just said, you know, two and two blue tap, exile time stream navigator, take an extra turn after this one, activate it only if you have the city's blessing. Right? Like, that's going to be a cool card for some people, for sure, still. Um, but just that just that change from the bottom of your library in most honest games uh it's not going to come up but it gives players who want to the ability to just go super deep on it and think like oh if i combine a plus b plus c or these other cards in this way then i can have this huge dream and you have to go through some hoops you know as you mentioned you have to give it haste or you have to draw the card you have to have 10 permanents they have to not have a removal spell um but (laughs) You can have that dream, which I think is one of the coolest things about Magic. That's yep, funny. absolutely. It's not a totally useless card if you're not building into that as well. I mean, uh, a cheap creature early game to block a creature that you can use as a blocker and then if you need to rip an extra turn off is pretty solid, even if you're not <laughs> building into that infinite shenanigans i i I really like time stream navigator i think i will probably get a couple and test them out my next card Mm -hmm. is i guess the iconic artifact of the set uh, especially if you're following the narrative of the story and that is the immortal sun Uh, so six mana for a legendary artifact it's got a lot of abilities guys so strap yourself in um, players cannot activate Planeswalkers' loyalty abilities. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> so how's that Super Friends going? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, exactly. Atraxa made every Super Friends deck have white in it and green, so you can destroy the Immortal Although I have seen a lot of Super Friends that their only artifact in <laughs> enchantment removal is on their Planeswalkers. So, who knows? Uh, sec- uh-huh. Second ability... At the beginning of your draw step, draw an additional card. So that's what Staff of Nin does, and that's also six mana. Yeah, you know? Well, then surely that's all this does. No, well, I'll keep going. <laughs> Spells you cast, just you cast one generic mana less to cast. Well, Sean, does that mean only instants and sorceries? No, just spells, Phil. That's oh, cards you cast. <laughs> so everything. Everything. You cast. So that is a Helm of Awakening that only affects you. Huh. Uh huh. Well, that's enough, Sean. This is already a mythic value. Wait, wait, Phil. Coming down to Ben Hayes's bargain all you can eat artifacts <laughs> ability. Oh, is this a restaurant. Ben Hayes card? <laughs> What if I tell you, for your six mana, not only do you get a Staff of Nin, not only do you get an improved Helm of Awakening, not only do you get a new unique ability that screws open Super Friends decks, but you also get an Anthem as well. Creatures I you would control, say, shut your mouth. Creatures you control, Phil, get plus one, plus one. No, you just shut your mouth. That's not true. You made that up today. No, you can come on down for a bargain price of... Six mana. Oh bargain price of a, a, a booster pack of Rivals of Ixalan and a bit of luck. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, ben, so what happened? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think you need more than one, to be honest. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, with this card, we started with, uh, we started from a, 
very creative point, right? Of like players can't activate planeswalker loyalty abilities mm-hmm. in the story. The immortal sun is the uh, thing that is holding these planeswalkers trapped on, um, on Ixalan. And uh, so we started there. We were like, okay, well, the immortal sun is also this incredibly powerful artifact that everyone's trying to get. Um, and everyone's trying to possess and get the power from this. And we're like, okay, well, what would happen if, if a player had it? Um, and we, <laughs> from there, went to, okay, well, what if we just imagine that everything gets better? Right? Like, not that it's not bound to one specific part of or thing that, it's, that it improves. It's just the concept of, like, right, you're drawing more cards. The cards you draw are cheaper to cast. The cards you play are better. It's It was trying to get at this um, feeling of it sort of levels you up as a player. Uh, yes, good good analogy. And then it's also really powerful. <laughs> and then... Six mana seems... Uh, I mean, that's an expensive card to cast in general, but I've seen people play Staff of Nin. You know, quite happily. So this is your card draw card for your Boros decks. It's, I, it does everything. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, really the only though, reason you might not play it is if you like Planeswalkers yourself and you don't want to shut down your own Planeswalkers. Sure, but like, think about it. Turn one, land into Soul Ring. Soul Ring into Grim Monolith. Turn two, Immortal Sun. Where's your crypt? Where's your mana crypt and your mana vault? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Phil. Shivam, uh, you can get turn one immortal sun if you try harder. <laughs> and then the other guy's like Shatterstorm, and you're like, oh, oh. Ah, uh, you've got the counter spell by that point. Cast <laughs> <laughs> one less. <laughs> Indeed, it does. Oh dear. Oh yeah, all those cancels are now just counter spells. Oh good. Yeah, good. they are. Those hinders and those. Yeah, that's a mm. that's a card, man. Yeah. So is this not a staple, or is this a staple? And I think it depends on how super friendly your your meta is, because the card is really good. But I like my plane talkers. Uh, Shivam, let's play a little game here. Cover up any one of those lines. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be the most overpowered artifact in a couple of years. It probably I mean, is. <laughs> six mana for is too much to pay for an anthem. Six mana is too much to pay for a Helm of Awakening, arguably. Um, six mana, you could argue, is too much to pay for a howling, a personal howling mine, but people already do pay that for the staff. And six mana is probably a little bit too high for the first ability. But all four together, it's a one-way ticket to bargain town. I'm not sure if it is a staple. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm finding it hard not to put it in right. every deck. Yeah, like... That's what like, I'm saying. Really, Gideon can sit in my hand for the rest of this nonsense. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's This makes sure it's a comma hmm. one cheaper. Your Itali one cheaper if you can hold off casting Itali. And plus one, plus one bigger. And plus one, plus Cause, one. Because yeah. that's what I need. <laughs> a 10 10 Zakama. This is great. Because it's kind of ramp as well. I... Yeah. It's it's like a, a generic pearl, a generic medallion. Mm. 
All right. Generic medallion. That's a that's a great card. Phil, let's talk about <laughs> some of your cards. You've All right. Chosen. I'll pick my two favorites, and uh, the first will come as no surprise whatsoever. Tender Shoot Dryad. Four and a green for a Dryad, not a Merfolk. Haha. <laughs> it's a 2 2 with. Uh, it's a 2 2. <laughs> Where do I start? With Ascend. And. Uh, and just automatically the Verdant Force. At the beginning of each upkeep, create a 1-1 one, one green sapling creature token. That alone probably puts this into Rith, right? And then saplings you control get plus 2, plus 2, as long as you have 10 or more permanents in play once. Which is pretty easy <laughs> in a Rith deck or a Marath yeah. deck. Or yeah, as long decks. as you have City's Blessing, you have and which is 10 or more permanents in play, you, all your Sapperlings get plus two, plus two. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's exactly what I needed. Thank you, The ben. Thelen deck of my <laughs> dreams is finally coming to, <laughs> together. Well, Judging... I got your email, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Judging good. by the arts... Was this card referred to um, by the design team as Tender Groot Dryad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't actually remember what the... Uh, I don't remember what the playtest name of this card was. Huh. You don't have to indulge my puns, Ben. I just wanted to get out of my system, otherwise I explode with punnage. Yeah, he does. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's a horrible thing to see. I actually feel compelled to answer every question. <laughs> you can't just say hmm moving on yes <laughs> the tender, exactly. tender group dryad is awesome even if it is oh, outside yeah. of the color square I and uh <laughs> this next one has a strange starless void where one of the mana symbols is um my other one is journey to eternity <laughs> for one a black and a, a strange starless void um green you get a legendary enchantment aura of well, aura, right? Enchant creature you control. Wait, wait, wait. I don't want to enchant my creatures. I don't want to. It's just too dangerous. It wastes, wastes the aura completely. Uh, wait, let me. When enchanted creature dies, return it to the battlefield under your control. Then return journey to eternity <laughs> to the battlefield transformed under your control. Wait. What? And it comes back as Atzal, Atzal, Cave Atzal. of Eternity. That's all it does, folks. <laughs> and you tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So, wait a second. Uh, so it's like a commander's tower. It's a better tower. than a command but tower. It's a, I, I was, um... I was, I, I'm still freaked out because then I read the next one: three black and green and tap. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Oh, what's the battlefield? There's the, there's the to word. The battlefield. That's only been on a like a few cards. This is when you were saying that Ben earlier that that you were looking for effects that just weren't very <laughs> common in Magic. That's a doozy. Yeah. That's like Marshall's Anthem was the last time that was done, and that was six mana for one creature. Uh, Merrin. Yeah, Marin, true, Marin. But that one was restricted. This is this is any creature. And the creature has already come back because you made it wear Journey to Eternity. Yeah, this is uh this is a good one. <laughs> it's not too shabby. <laughs> this 
This is the one that Saffron Olive was like, uh, I'm going to play this in modern and put it on Sacra Tribe yeah, Elder. You go from <laughs> three mana to six mana, right? In that one turn, because you sack the Tribe Elder, yeah. sack the Tribe Elder, and get the land. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I um, that, I mean, we, we, you know, think about these cards a lot and, and play test them and talk about them a lot, but the, uh, right, the modern implications, I, uh, don't think we discussed a ton. Um, just that format's really powerful, right? So we kind of look at well, you know, the five decks are pretty yeah, good. Don't we they, tend to so. look at like um, <laughs> just for the realities of the format. Tend to look at like three mana as the high end of things that really are in the discussion, um, just as a shortcut to help us discuss the sets, right? Um, you know, obviously, like a Gristlebrand style card is an exception. Um, but, uh, yeah, this card, I mean, this card is three mana. And I'm sure we talked about it somewhat for modern, but uh, it was more like we spent a lot of time getting it right for standard. And then, you know, similar to what I said about Ascend, where we looked at it and we were like, oh, yeah, that'll, for Commander, that'll do. Um, that was a. Right, similar on this card. <laughs> That'll do. I mean, it's That'll legendary, so it's a bit of a dead draw after mm-hmm. you've ripped yeah, off your deck once in modern. I mean, how many how many <laughs> copies would you run? But <laughs> yeah, but this card is still just—it seems amazing. It's oh gosh, all the flip lands you guys did in this set seem yeah. really really good and they seem really really fun and i've been testing a few of them from the last set and i was just like wow you there i mean i'm just i'm enthralled by all of them <laughs> the red white one seems a little weird but the other ones the are red white one the red white one is weird um i <laughs> it was this idea of a sort of hallway of traps um sort of indiana jones style uh like trapped hallway or temple or you yeah. know, think like dungeons and dragons um like dungeon delving kind of thing uh, mm-hmm. and we're like okay well these fast these creatures have to be really fast oh that makes sense to kind of like dodge the the poison darts and the lasers and get through and then gain control of this um this like powerful uh control room tower type thing um all the the concepts with all these gold cards is that they're places <laughs> within the golden city and there's some type of journey or quest mm. that the uh that you're going on to gain control of that part of the golden city and it's this massive um place with lots of uh. sites of power um and that was the idea behind that yeah, I mean, they, oh, that's cool. They all seem really neat. Uh, I do wonder though, like Golden Guardian fighting another target creature you control, that seemed really like bizarre to me. Like you have to kill two of your guys to get the the Mecha Factory to work. Yeah, so the story there is the Guardian is guarding the the factory, and your your creatures fight the Guardian uh, to get through ah. to gain control of the factory. It. Um, Wait, did you say did you say yar creatures? <laughs> yar. No, but you did. <laughs> We've been very restrained in our pirateness. Very restrained. Very. Oh man! All right. 
So we have some um, patron questions. We do. Do you want to read some? Yeah, let's do it. I think we've answered Dan's first uh, question, so I'll ask his second. This is from patron Dan Kraus, uh, my octopus brother. He asks, was Zakama's untapped land uh, ability trigger purposely made so it would not work with Gishaf's attack ability? Um, no, we, um, we mostly... I mean, we looked at that, but we were mostly just trying to get the ability for Zakama working in the way that um, worked for that card and in the context we wanted to work it, the formats, and um, make sure that it was appropriate for standard. And there were a lot of considerations. Um, that was something that came up, but it was, right, we're always in the process with cards that are powerful enough of prioritizing uh yeah just prioritizing and uh that yeah was something we talked about but not that that's not the reason we did it that is not the reason good good uh we have a question here from henry stukenborg who told me off last time i called him henry stukenberg my apologies henry um his first question. <laughs> Itali is a lovely design, and it's so great to see you explore this space for red decks. Will any of this exploration find its way into future Boros commanders? You can just say no, it's all right. <laughs> I um, don't know. It certainly could. Uh, like, we are, especially the, the people in R&D who um, think about commander more uh, are always looking at uh, what the different colors are doing, right? And um, how to, both in yeah. Commander and all the rest of the formats, what new space can we explore to make those colors um, more fun and do more interesting things? And uh, the idea of getting these random effects, um, random effects from your deck or from your opponent's deck, um, you know, we saw in... Uh, Commander 2016, the red polymorphing style card. Yep. Yeah. Um, so get random spells, uh, creatures, permanents, whatever. Uh, something we're going more into with red and Atali. Uh, right, it was one place we really pushed that super far. I think yeah. if I could rephrase Henry's question in a less eloquent way, it's I like this design, but I mm -hmm. wish it was on a Boros card. Why is Atali not Boros? But um, that isn't what he actually asked. So uh... I would I would approach it from a different perspective. Wouldn't you say this ability is too powerful for a Boros card? <laughs> um, we wouldn't want to give them hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are slagging on Boros right now. Sorry, Boros players. I mean, it... and Shivam, especially you. <laughs> No toys for you, Shivam. As, as as he creaks ominously. <laughs> I'm just holding my holding my thoughts. Yeah. No, the, the, I mean Tajik's Tajik's could. He's just there because I need soldiers. It could show up on a Boros commander, <laughs> although, uh, and I will say that right, the idea of Boros and uh, what red and white do when they Chaos. come together. Uh, I think doesn't quite fit the random getting your opponent's stuff design space of red. Like, um, 
if just to you know go more in depth on the question like i think probably um black or blue paired with red make a lot of sense for stealing your opponent's uh cards and casting them for free I think I 100% agree. Green gets a little further, and then I think white is probably the furthest from this design space. You know, more about order and uh, right, just things that don't quite match up with what's going on with Atali. Yeah, Voltron commanders with indestructibility. I guess the moral of this story is you can't say the word tragic without saying the word tragic. So. <laughs> Oh, Henry, that's a low Henry blow, buddy. Also, us. That's a low blow. <laughs> but Henry will really like that his question has inspired this. Oh. <laughs> Henry also asks uh, Azor, is it Azor or Azor? I suppose it's Azor because of Azorius. Azor comes with a fairly complex implementation of silence. Was there a specific reason for this implementation versus actually just giving Azor an on-cast silence? Um, yeah, so we wanted um, we wanted the silence to happen on your opponent's turn, not on your own turn, um, just because there isn't there isn't as much um, benefit to having a six mana sorcery speed silence, right? Like it it stops. <laughs> uh, your opponent from playing instance before they start their turn. Um, but this uh, has this effect taking place on your opponent's turn lets you plan around it a little more, right? Like maybe you wait until they uh, tap down fairly low, then play this and pass, and you know you're locking out a, spe- a certain card type until it comes back around to you. Um, it is It is more complex, but it... Mm. Um, yeah, we looked at a lot of different implementations, and uh, there are right the specific reasons for this one are just that it's a lot more functional than the other ones. Yes, it's a it as I was a I I read him I was like ah oh, he could be the Azorius commander I want because Azorius commanders tend to play into the stacks type stuff, um, and it's not a style I find my opponents particularly enjoy playing against or is I mean, or... it's hard to say no to sphinx's revelation every turn <laughs> yeah it's not a bad spell sphinx's revelation is it <laughs> uh... especially on a stick I'm, yeah. i mean that's just that is something else man that is like that can get pretty disgusting especially if you combine it with the flip land in rivals that lets you uh tap and get mana equal to the amount of life you have already <laughs> Like, sure, yeah. sure, why not? It's not terrible. <laughs> and then um, just, I don't know, take another turn and then suddenly draw, like, your entire deck with all 4,000 life you have. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you could find a way to win in there. Hey, hey, Ben, did you call, like, just before this set was released, did you call Sheldon <laughs> Mennery and just be like, you know, poop up a beep up and hello and he's like and then you're like <laughs> i dare you um and then you hang up <laughs> like were you going for the most cards to be put on the watch list not in any single set in magic's history it didn't happen exactly like that 
but I can't. I also can't say exactly how it did happen. <laughs> so I think we've got time for one more Patreon question, uh, which I guess we could combine with Dan Krause's original questions. Dan Krause asked, "This is the commandriest set ever." Was that intentional? Um, and David Mitchell was asked, though, uh, though I can't read that, was Azor's gateway slash Sanctum of the Sun created with Commander in mind? So how much of Commander in mind was put into this? And I, I guess specifically around that card as well. Um, yeah, with that card, um, we knew what we were really going for was this puzzle that or this challenge we were presenting players with and we wanted to make the challenge something real and um, difficult to get through but also make the reward just something ridiculously awesome right and uh, I think for me that was one of the biggest joys of getting to work on these transform cards is you can you can get these lines of text and this is true of Ascent, too, because um, because that also asks something of you, although not, right, you have a lot more knobs to tune with the Transform cards because you get to pick exactly when they get access to the thing on, on the other side. But I took it as an opportunity to write lines of text that just made people... Uh, Right, I mean, try, trying to blow people's minds with this stuff and then figure out from there, work backwards to, okay, how how hard do I have to make it to let you get to this point? Um, but always keeping in mind that this was a unique opportunity to get some lines of text on magic cards that would otherwise be really hard to write anywhere. Hmm. Nice. I mean, this set looks amazing. And uh, I'm seriously excited for it in a way that I was not for the original Ixalan. And I think the amount of cards for Commander definitely have a large part to do with that. Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that. I mean, like, I put, I put a lot of thought into it myself. Um, and I think that my experience leading Commander teams before this played into it. And I also, you know, every time someone says something like that, I also try to just mention that. I feel like I had a really, really strong team that uh, had a lot of very passionate people, um, and specifically people who uh, play a lot of Commander and are passionate about the format. So it wasn't right. It, I put the effort in, but it wasn't just me. It was the whole team um, coming together and all uh, bringing their ideas to the table and producing what you all see. Cool. Yeah, well, go back to them and you know tell them tell them we at least are very grateful for it. And many of our patrons, as you heard from tonight, they're also really grateful. And it's clear that a lot of Commander love went into this set. Yeah, definitely. We'll uh, bring that back and let people know. Awesome, cool. Listeners, you rock for sticking it out with us through this. Um, we were kind of cut up, a little bit giddy maybe once in a while, um, but we <laughs> can only blame Ben Hayes as we usually do. Um, <laughs> and and his team, to be fair. So thanks for hanging out with us, everyone. And Ben, especially, thank you for hanging out with us, too. This was 
this was great. It's a wonderful set, and we were happy to talk to you. Yeah, it was really fun. I'm I'm just super glad that you guys are so excited about it and enjoying it so much. And yeah, it means a lot to me uh, seeing people happy about this stuff. So yeah, yeah. Um, how can people reach you if they want to ask you some more questions? Um, I'm on Twitter as Ben B Hayes. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's, it's probably the best way. Um, find me on there. I'm happy to, happy to talk about anything related to any known information and, and released projects. I always appreciate when, <laughs> uh, when people don't ask me about things that I obviously can't talk about. <laughs> um, right. Like the return right. of crew. <laughs> um, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ben couldn't possibly prophesize that. Um, but yeah, I really do. Uh, I do love getting questions and uh, being able to chat with fans and um, give people that um, peek behind the curtains and transparency about what went into making the set. Because, um, right, I love thinking about it. I love talking about it. I all right. One last question before uh, I let Phil wrap us up. Um, one question we do ask every lead designer before the pre-release or before the release of the set: What colors would you draft hmm. in this set? Um, like, what's your favorite archetype to play? I have, as a player in draft, I've gotten more and more uh, all-in aggressive with what I like to try to do in formats. Um, so probably the one that speaks to me most is the blue-red pirates strategy with uh, different types of evasion, unblockability, flying, auras, combat tricks, giving your creatures double strike. Um, I really like that sort of right, like planning. Okay, my opponent's at 17, and I'm working out that I'm going to hit them for like two, and then two, and then uh like okay then they're in range pump this guy or i give a double strike and deal the last 13 points all in one turn um yeah both that that's what speaks to me the most i probably do that awesome. i right and not for power level reasons or um or that i have any like super insider knowledge there you know Tons and tons of people are going to play the set and <laughs> the audience always finds things that we uh, didn't put in there and things always turn out a little different than we think. So, yeah. Indeed. We must break it. We must break it. <laughs> All right. Well, we look forward to seeing it. So thanks again, Ben. And uh, special thanks to our patrons who show their support by donating to us so we can keep improving. Again, the three special call-outs we have uh, this week from our patrons are Marc-Andre, Kair, Jochen S., and Justin, who is uh, KTBL underscore Justin. And uh, without your continued support, folks, we could not do this show like this. And we would, for example, be unlikely to have a principal game designer from Wizards of the Coast on the show. That's Ben, just to be clear. Ben, we ask all of our esteemed visitors to take us out, if you would. All right, uh, Commanderin, super sweet, totally awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you, sir.
パパパー。<laughs> Welcome to Commodering, where we discuss a solved format. Commandering. Commodering. Commodering. There you go. <laughs>